If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down. Oh, you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Imagine sitting in a cell full of water with only your head above it in the pitch black. Now imagine sitting in that cell like that for three days. How's your mental health doing? 
And with that, let me just wish a happy Monday to everybody. We are going to talk about treason and sedition. I've heard these words thrown around a lot. Well, I have actually found some treason and sedition. I'm going to call it out. We're going to talk about Joe Biden already coming out and committing to slaughtering thousands of jobs immediately. (laughs) Day one. This is going well. And Iran. Don't worry. I'm not going to drown you in foreign policy. I never do that. But something's going on in Iran. And I thought it was really revealing for the modern-day Democratic Party, the modern-day left, and what they believe. But before we get to any of that, let's rewind just a little little bit. About 70 years. Let's go to a little place that doesn't exist anymore. It's called East Germany. Now, for those who aren't aware, just do about a two-sentence recap here. Stalin is allowed to take Berlin, thanks FDR, in World War II. That was a mistake. The Soviets then seize a sphere of influence in Eastern Europe. Soviets, because they're communists, again, just like America's communists today, do not seize spheres of influence and then sit back on their heels and say, well, let's just let them do whatever they want. Communists use power. They take East Germany, East Berlin, East Germany, and they force it into becoming a communist place. This is immediately in the aftermath of World War II. Now, this thing doesn't go very well pretty much right off the bat. It's hard enough. In fact, it's impossible to make communism work. It's really impossible when you're forcing it on people who were relatively happy with life beforehand. I realized the Germans had been through quite a lot by the end of World War II and honestly had put other people through quite a lot. But we're talking about the regular citizens here. You've lived, I mean, think about what you've lived through if you're a 50-year-old German citizen at this point in time. You've lived through the Weimar Republic, your money not being worth anything. Then you live, Adolf Hitler rises to power. Now, post-World War II, oh gosh, the communists are now in charge. Your, Your life has been eventful, to say the least. The Soviets get in there, and they immediately start locking things down, pushing their Soviet propaganda, pushing their total control over society. And it's such an adjustment for people. Everybody immediately, you're in a workers union and you're going to work here and you're going to say this and you're going to think this and you're going and it's it's a lot. It's not, they don't they don't exactly slowly work it in. They want it in and they want it in right away. And by 1950, remember this is really really close after the world war ended. They start the Ministry of State Security, which is what we're going to be talking about today, the Stasi. What was it? Well, that's actually difficult to say because it was everything. The Stasi was everything. The Communist Party of East Germany, the guys who run it, you know, there's always a council of these dirty commies who run it. 
They're a party, right? So they're the Communist Party. They're running things. However, they need somebody to do internal state security because that's what commies do. They need somebody to do external state security because that's what commies do. They need somebody to collect information. They need somebody to monitor things. And when I say monitor things, we'll get to that in a few. I mean monitor everything. Radio, TV, your phone calls, the private things you say to your wife, what your kids learn in school, the products that are sold, the products that are not sold. Each and every part of your life must be monitored and controlled. You need an enforcement arm of some kind if you're the Communist Party of East Germany. And so what do you do? Well, it's not difficult. Remember, you have a big daddy sitting over there in the Soviet Union. You say, uh, Big Daddy Stalin, help us out. Help us get this thing organized here. And Stalin, because remember, their goal is to spread communism in every part of the world. I need you to understand that as it applies today because the communists are still here. I've said this before. I will say it again. The Soviet goal was not to spread communism just to this country and this country and just to expand a bit. The the Soviet goal, the communist goal, is to spread to each inch of the face of the planet, and they're not happy until they do so. And our communists are the same. They never get to a point where they look around and say, ah, this is enough. I mean, I, I feel like we're okay now. They don't. They didn't then. They don't now. And because they're expanding communist control, they're more than happy to help a new communist country like East Germany get its affairs in order, locked down. This is how we do things. So they're approaching the NKVD, the KGB. They're approaching the KGB and saying, how do you do surveillance? How do you do security? How do you organize things? And the Stasi, the state security guys, the Stasi... They were a wing of the Soviets. They did things the Soviets wanted done. They wouldn't do anything the Soviets didn't want done. They were definitely their own entity, though. It's, 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 it's difficult to explain it because they're still working it out to this day. The, the Stasi in East Germany, East Germany was its own country, and the Stasi, they were their own state security thing. But... They were never going to step out of line from something the Soviets wanted done, ever. And they were really, really, really good. And a lot of this comes to the fact that they were German. Let's just be honest. When it comes to organization and, frankly, when it comes to cracking down on your own people, who does it better than the Germans? The Stasi became so good that when people like Cuba and Castro were trying to get their affairs in order over there and figuring out their own state security, the KGB not only sent their own guys, they would send Stasi guys over there. Hey, hey, Stasi, go get these guys straightened out. Tell them how to lock things down. You know, you do it real well. These were evil, evil people and really good at being evil. Remember, you want your enemies to be stupid and inadequate. You need to fear the ones who are really good at it. Now, the Stasi gets into place, you know, 1950. Things, I I don't want to say things are going well, but things are, they're, they're plodding along. 
And then, boom, 1953 happens. And there was, we'll probably do a show on this at one point in time. I'm not doing it today. There was a national uprising in East Germany where, remember, they're fresh to communism. The people freak. They, They freak. They're like, what is this crappy system? There's no food. Everything sucks. You're in control of everything. There was a million-person-plus uprising of protests and riots. And, yeah, it was wonderful. It was was awesome. The German people standing up, the East German people standing up and saying no. But in the end, that prompted some changes. Talk about those changes. And... Treason and sedition in the United States that I've found. Hang on. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. I don't offer personal health advice very often. Why? Well, because I'm not qualified. <laughs> I'm not exactly I'm not exactly the model of personal health. I eat too much pizza. I work out, but not enough, so on and so forth. But in all seriousness, let me get serious for a moment. Please take care of your heart. Take care of your blood pressure. Take care of your heart. I have seen the effects of not doing that in my own family, it runs in my family, and just please do it. Go get Super Beats. You understand what an easy way that is to take care of your hearts? Just two Super Beats heart chews a day. That gives you the cardiovascular support you need. Go to superbeats.com slash jesse, and that actually gets you not one but two free 30-day supplies. Superbeats.com slash Jesse. We're going to talk about Iran and what it tells you about the left. In America today, we'll talk to that. Talk about that in just a little bit. But first, 1953. Remember, we're talking about the Stasi today, the state police of East Germany. 1953. There's a national uprising. The Soviets are still very, very aware that some people are chafing under communism. The Soviets do not play around in 1953 with this uprising. It's so big. It's so violent. The Soviets roll in the tanks immediately, and they put it down. And this is something you have to understand about the spread of communism. The Soviets were very, very, very concerned about people hating it publicly. It's part of the reason they were so brutal to their own people inside their own borders, and their minds, yes, it's aggressive, it's violent, communism is, it is, it always will be, but they wanted people around the world to look at it and want it. In their minds, they're always doing propaganda for everyone else. 
They want some random country somewhere, Zimbabwe, to look at East Germany and say, man, they really seem like they have their stuff together. So when there's something like a national uprising that makes international news, the Soviets really freak out because they don't want that word getting out. They step in to Stasi headquarters. Hey, guys, mind if we have a meeting? Uh, Yeah, you were doing state security before. You need to do a lot more of it from this point forward. Let's not have another repeat of a million people uprising. So whatever you have to do to prevent that from happening again, do it. Now pay attention because this applies to how the left thinks about you today. If you're the Stasi, the Communist Party of East Germany, and you just had a display that you didn't like, you can choose one of two directions. You can go look at yourself in the mirror and say, maybe we need to reform some things so people aren't quite so unhappy and aren't quite so violent. Or you can go the other direction and say, We clearly just need to hurt some people to teach them a lesson. You notice what's happening in the Capitol right now? You have a bubbling over of anger at the Capitol building. What has been the response by the American left? Banning social media accounts, tens of thousands of them, bringing in 30,000 troops, high fencing around D.C. and locking down the place like it's a maximum security prison. You know what the response hasn't been? Not a single person on the left stepping up and saying, "Uh, maybe we called them Nazis one too many times. Maybe Maybe in a way this is a little bit on us. Because communists don't change ever. Ever. East Germany decides the Stasi is going to be a lot more aggressive. They begin. It's hard to put it into words because we've never experienced anything like it. I've never experienced anything like it. You haven't either. They begin an information collection thing that I've never I've never seen this before. I honestly and I could be I it could be wrong, so do not take this as gospel. I'm not sure that KGB went to these lengths of information collection. I know they did a ton of it, but they immediately build satellites to intercept every radio signal coming in. They put up planes along their border, recon planes that intercept radio signals, phone signals. They have stations built along their border with Western Germany because they're not only interested in collecting their own people's information, they're interested in collecting all the information from West Germany, who they were constantly concerned about. They're eavesdropping on West German calls, West German radio signals, the mass collection of information. They had an entire system set up to open mail, read mail, and then reseal mail so people never knew. They had machines designed to do it. Wiretaps, hidden cameras on their own people all over the place, and informants. 
At its height, the Stasi had 90,000 employees at its height. But they had 180,000 informants. And when I say informants, understand this world. It's just, it's so evil and sick. It's hard to wrap your mind around it. Informants means your wife collecting information on you and giving it to the Stasi. Your husband collecting information on you. Your child, your mother, your brother. Threatened, bribed, beaten into giving up your information to the government that wants to oppress you. It was that evil. It was that terrible. And it went worse. It actually, and the head of it, by the way, you don't have to remember this, is a guy named Eric Milka, but he was the head of it for virtually its entire existence. They ended up, he wasn't there in the very beginning. They dumped him in the very end, but that's, he really headed all this. And why? Why were so many people on board? Well, here's part of the reason. Part of the reason is it was a really, really, really decent life if you were a member of the Stasi. If you could get in, it was a decent life. You ate better. The pay was better. The housing was better. Speaking of housing, let's pause on that for a moment. While East Germany was drowning in poverty and misery and just life sucked because it's under communism. They set up something called a forest colony. I believe it's still there to this day. Now, that's not what it's called in German. In German, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this. Waldseedlung, W-A-L-D-S-I-E-D-L-U-N-G. What it was, a forest colony, a forest settlement. You know, everyone else lives like crap, right? Because it's communism. They took this area, this little area, and it's, it's about uh, 20 miles north of Berlin, and they set up this absolutely stunning little community for the members of the Communist Party, for the leadership of the Communist Party. You can go look at pictures of it to this day if you'd like, and I'm pretty sure it still exists. I think they preserved it, uh, but don't quote me on that. I'm talking beautiful homes. If you're a communist, you know, you're one of the leaders of the Communist Party. You have a beautiful home. They set them up a cinema. They set them up a restaurant, a sports complex. While everyone else was starving, they had only the best foods, specialty chefs brought in. You're living like royalty. And they had Stasi guys guarding the place like a fortress. Nobody allowed in. You and your family lived like a king. And that's just for, that's, that's the leadership guys. But other people, you know, the 90,000 people who worked for the Stasi, they eat just fine. The lights are on. If you're with them, just like the system today, if you're with them, life is easier and life is good. And if you're against them, they will make your life a living hell. A living hell. And that, that is how you get a husband to turn against his own wife a son to turn against his own father. And what do I mean by a living hell? I'm going to tell you. Hang on.
No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. crisis that has been perpetuated in my view by platforms like the one we're used to work Facebook as well as Twitter and others it, it's really hard because what's happening is people are able to seek out the information that makes them feel good mm -hmm. it, that is what happening is that you know people have so much choice now they can choose what their news sources are they can choose what influencers they want to follow um, and and they can try to seal out anything that helps them question that. And th I think that gets to a, a really core issue uh, with how our freedoms as Americans and, and the way we've treated press freedom in, in the past is being abused by these actors, um, in that we have given a lot of leeway, uh, both in the traditional media and on social media, to people to have a very broad range of political views. And it is now in the great economic interest of those individuals to become more and more radical. And I think that one of the places you can see this is on the, the fact that you now have competitors to Fox News on their right, OANN yes. and Newsmax, which are carried by all the major cable networks. Um, who are trying to now outflank Fox on the right because the moment Fox introduced any kind of realism into their reporting, immediately a bunch of people chose to put themselves into a sealed ecosystem. And they can do that both on cable, they can do it online. Um, and that becomes a, a huge challenge of figuring out how do you bring those people back into the mainstream of fact-based reporting and try to get us all back into the, the same consensual reality. And can you, is that possible? Seems like that's an open question. It's hard. I mean, I think we got to do a couple things. One, there needs to be a, a, an intentional work by the social media companies collaborating together to work on violent extremism in the same way they worked on ISIS. I was, when I started at Facebook in 2015, the number one challenge from a content perspective was the abuse of social media by the Islamic State. Um, and there was a, a collaboration between the tech companies and between the tech companies and law enforcement to make it impossible for them to use the internet to recruit and radicalize young, mostly young Muslim men at the time around the world. Now we're talking about domestic audience in the United States. And the challenge is going to be partially that, you know, ISIS did not have a domestic constituency in the United States Congress. But there is over half of the Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the election. Um, and there will be a continual political pressure on the, yeah. the companies to not take it seriously. So I think first, you have mm. to focus on those violent extremists and those companies have to be brave in that way. And second, we have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. There are, are people on YouTube, for example, that have a larger, daytime, a larger audience than daytime CNN. 
men. And they are extremely radical and pushing extremely uh, radical views. And so it's up to the Facebooks and YouTubes in particular to think about whether or not they want to be effectively cable networks for disinformation. And then we're going to have to figure out the OANN and Newsmax problem. You know, that these companies have freedom of speech, but I'm not sure we need Verizon, AT&T, Comcast and such to be bringing them into tens of millions of homes. American communists are not different than communists have always been. We'll get to more of that here in a few, but... How bad could it get in East Germany? Well, remember we talked earlier about the mass collection of information, right? All over the place. Your phone calls, they're listening. You're on a radio somewhere, they're listening. You're having a private conversation with somebody. Even a friend, relative, husband, wife could very well be informing on you to the Stasi. And what are they looking for? Understand, they're not looking for just, oh, well, he's uh, he's organizing an underground network of freedom fighters to fight against us. No, one of the main classifications they needed to arrest you was, quote, malcontents. Not only did you have to be part of the miserable communist system, you had to be happy about it. You don't get to march around looking for your job. I don't like it that there's not enough food in the grocery store. Oh, man, this job doesn't pay well enough. Oh, you know what? This building's kind of ugly. That's the kind of stuff that's enough to get you arrested. Now, let's talk about the arrest. Remember, they don't want it to be obvious what's happening. They don't come and stop you in the street for the most part, pull you over, throw you in cuffs, take you downtown. That would lead people to believe that everything isn't fine. No, they come in the middle of the night, the early, early a.m. And they're not throwing you in the back of a gigantic Stasi police car, taking him down to a Stasi jail. Don't worry. No, they'll throw you in the back of a bread truck, a laundry truck with no windows on it. They obviously blindfold you, handcuff you. They'll drive you around for hours and hours and hours in the same town so you have no idea where you are when they finally get you to the Stasi jails. They're going to get you to the Stasi jails, and then they're going to start taking you apart piece by piece. Remember this. They didn't just find out about you five minutes ago and then go place handcuffs on you. Mass collection of information. What kind of information do people have on you? How's your Google search history look? Your social media pages? Anybody out there know anything about you? These guys are not haphazardly doing this, when they bring you into a Stasi prison cell, you're always alone, uh, except in certain circumstances, which I'll get to in a minute. You're always alone. The cell's horrible. Oftentimes, there's no, there's no water. There's a bucket in the corner. They would, you would go months without showering. I apologize for how gross this is, but there are stories out there of guys peeing on their hands to try to clean themselves. That kind of disgustingness. 
and they have a file on you. They know who you are. They know about your wife, your kids, your brother, your sister. They know the things you've said in private. They know so many things about you, and you don't know what they know about you. They know it all, and they're coming up with a plan to rip you apart physically and mentally piece by piece so they can find out the things they want to find out about. They are purposeful about it. Very, very purposeful. Maybe they already know you have a little fear of drowning. Maybe you said that to your brother in private conversation out back on your patio having a beer and a cigarette one day, and maybe there was a wiretap there. That went in your little file. Maybe they would play over the loudspeaker, as they often did, sounds of people screaming in pain just so you could be scared to death when they hauled you down for interrogation. Those interrogations were beatings, electronic shocks, the worst things you can imagine. Remember that drowning story at the very beginning? That was real. One guy I read about five different times he was placed in a cell. Standing up, they filled it three-quarters full of water, a water-sealed cell, in the pitch black with only his head above the water. You can't sit, you can't kneel, you can't lay down, or you will drown, and left him in there for three days at a time. How much can your mind take before it's gone? Before it's gone. The women, female prisoners, we're subject to a lot of other kinds of abuse that I obviously don't have to go into. It's just, it's always worse for women, sadly. It's terrible. And that was, that was the overt stuff. They would do something else when they started to try to move away from killing and torturing all their prisoners. You see, oh, I, I forgot to mention the killing. You know how you would be executed often in a Stasi prison? They would put you in a little cell with the toilet and tell you to write a final letter to somebody. Then they would take your final letter. Oh, it wasn't to mail out. They just wanted one more list of your final thoughts and the people you were writing to. They led you to another room that had some weird shape to it. And as you looked around trying to get your bearings, they shot you in the back of the head. Now, you want to know how much worse it gets outside of prison? I'm about to tell you, and it is sad. And then we'll wrap this up, maybe even talk about some Hot Pockets. Hang on. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. 
a public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We're going to talk about the treason and sedition I have found right here in the United States of America here in a second. Jewish producer Chris has kindly asked as he cringes that I stop talking about drowning cells and electric shock and pulled out fingernails. I do want to clarify what these people would do, though. This was one guy's story I read. After he'd been imprisoned, he had tried to escape after he'd been imprisoned. They got him, tortured him, made his life miserable. They then let him out because there was some pressure on them from other countries to let him out. They let him out. And he was still an unhappy person. Remember, malcontent is something you weren't allowed to be. Had a beautiful wife and a daughter. So they didn't arrest him again. That was a news story, international news story. They just simply showed up in the middle of the night and arrested his wife. And she had a very rough time in prison. She was a beautiful woman, like I said. The guards abused her. And they also took away his daughter and arrested her too and abused her. Finally, they let his wife out of prison And this beautiful, smart, loving woman was so broken mentally, she spent the rest of her days in a mental hospital. By the time they let his daughter out of prison, she hated her father because they had brutalized her so badly and made sure she blamed him that she never spoke to him again. Communists are evil. I cannot possibly stress this enough. Communism is the most evil thing on the planet, and you had better fight until you die to avoid living underneath it. Many people have before, and anybody who's ever lived underneath it will echo those words. Communism is evil. And you know what they would do when they stopped the torturing and murder? Because it wasn't all torturing and murder. They did something called disintegration. What was disintegration? It went from kind of humorously odd to absolutely horrible. You see, if they couldn't throw you in a jail cell and pull your fingernails out because the world was starting to watch, and as we started to move into the 70s and 80s, the world was really starting to watch. East Germany wanted to be considered legitimate. The rest of the world's all, uh, yeah, well, could you stop hooking car batteries up to people then? So they would... Do something really mild, like deflate your bike tires every single day. You'd come out to ride your bike to work, and they had deflated your bike tires. They would fill up your mailbox every day with pornography. Just a weird way to mess with your mind. They would find ways to ruin your career. They would begin to threaten your boss, talk to your boss. Soon, you go from being an outstanding employee to you're fired. 
They would worm their way into your wife. They would find a way to have her start to dislike you, fill her mind up with certain things, accuse you of certain things, lie. They would break into your apartment when they knew everybody was gone and simply move everything in your apartment around just to mess with your mind and let you know people had been there. Called disintegration. And remember, they would do this pre-crime, not post-crime. If they even thought you were going to be guilty of something, they would come after you. They had their own prison set up, Bautzen II it was called. It was a special Stasi prison. Lock you away in the dark forever. They had secret bunkers all across the country with hidden doors. They still exist. I kind of want to go see them. They still exist in case there was another uprising, a place where the communists could, could hide if the people rose up. This went on for decades. People lived like this for decades. There are people alive today still talking about what it was like to live under this living hell. And these people who are alive today, they're all over. They're on video. You can find audio of them screaming about, don't let it happen again. You don't know what it's like. The utter misery of your life. The Stasi even controlled things like the economy because communism, it all sucks. Everything sucks. So there'd be a black market for everything. Even, and I don't just mean like drugs, TVs, food, basic necessities. And they would find people shipping these things in and kill them. I cannot possibly stress enough to you. All we're going to take away from today is this. You don't want to see this in its final form. You do not want to live like this. You see these videos and the way people cry and the way they pour their hearts out and the way they almost always, almost universally when they tell their stories, they, they, they make sure they give a warning. Don't let it happen. Do anything you can. Do not let it happen. If it happens, your life is over. Don't let it happen. We really, really, really have to make sure that doesn't happen here. All right. Treason and sedition and Hot Pockets. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
How often have you been hearing the phrases treason, sedition, insurrection, coup? I don't know about you. I've been hearing these phrases a lot to describe that raid on the Capitol. Well, that's weird because I'm looking at some treason right now, right out in the open for everybody to see. And remember, before we get to that, the whole show is podcasted immediately after the show on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and on iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about my handsomeness. We have some more I'll read today. And the podcast, here's how they work. At the end of every show, you're going to see two podcasts. One is the entire show. The other is just the history segment. Some people love it all. Some people just want the history part and bounce out. And you know what? Whatever you love, it's all good with me. So iHeart, Google, Spotify, iTunes. Now, treason, huh? Hmm. That's funny. I'm going to talk about some treason here. Hang on. Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Ben Rhodes, the former deputy national security advisor to President Obama, said that foreign leaders are already having conversations with Joe Biden, quote, talking about the agenda they're going to pursue January 20th. Mr. McKay, based on that testimony, do you believe Joe Biden is violating the Logan Act? I'm not aware of Ben Rhodes' statements or... or, or Take it on faith, he said what I read. Assuming that quote is accurate, and it's a verbatim quote, is that a violation of the Logan Act under any plausible theory? I am not prepared to take your statement on faith. And I am also not prepared to conduct legal analysis... All right, you're a lawyer. Have you ever answered a hypothetical in court? If it is correct that I am accurately quoting it, something the Department of Justice frequently did wrong in in, in this investigation, if that is what Ben Rhodes said, if Joe Biden is talking with foreign leaders right now, does it violate the Logan Act, yes or no? I'm not going to opine on a hypothetical question about what the Biden campaign... He is talking with foreign leaders, and it doesn't violate the Logan Act because the Logan Act is unconstitutional, which is why it's never been used to prosecute anyone. You authorized using it to go after General Flynn as part of a political persecution. I can give you the answer. Hell no, Joe Biden is not violating the Logan Act. The reason you won't say it is because that was your flimsy political basis to go after a decorated war hero because you disagreed with politically with President Trump. It's never going to stop getting old. It's never going to stop getting old. Oh, wait a minute. It's never going to start getting old. 
I went to community college. <laughs> it's Monday morning. Look, it's Monday morning. I don't want to hear any criticisms from my poor grammar. I had to go to a gender reveal party yesterday. I am so broken mentally. I still have PTSD from it. Was it long, Chris? No, no. Actually, to be clear, it wasn't long. And the dude whose house it was at, get this. He hired a taco lady to come make homemade tacos for everybody. Like she set up a taco station and home, the, the tortillas and everything. That's So it wasn't exactly a hardship. There was beer. There was everything. I didn't. I, I just drank water. But there was beer. There was tacos. So it wasn't exactly back-breaking work. But still, a gender reveal party? Brutal. Brutal. All right. Now, treason. Here's what, here's what I hate about the system. The system is so broken, so corrupted, and the system doesn't realize it's guilty of worse things than anyone outside of it. And this is what I mean. Treason, sedition, you know, for raiding the Capitol. I've been seeing recently people like Andrew Cuomo, Governor of New York, Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, talking about now. I mean, these were the worst lockdown people in the world, right? Lock this, lock this. You're not allowed to open that. Don't don't do anything. Now talking about opening their economies back up. We have to open the economy. We got to open the economy back up. Here's what I know for a fact. I know for a fact Democrats jumped on coronavirus. Because they thought lockdowns would slaughter the main reason Trump was going to walk to re-election, and that was the economy. Now, obviously, we've talked about that before, but we need to pause for a moment and talk about how profoundly evil that is. I want you to consider this. We have people in our government, in our government, lots of them who intentionally destroyed people's lives, intentionally destroyed the lives of their own constituents, of their own constituents, to win an election. That's worse treason than storming the Capitol building. That should be federal prison. That is that serious. You take... Your position as an elected official and you intentionally hurt the people you represent so you can win a presidential election? That is one of the worst crimes I've ever heard of in the United States of America. You know how evil and twisted and wrong that is? That is treason. That person should be on trial today. And not only will they not be on trial, this is this is how the system works. Not only will they not be on trial, they won't even ever answer questions about it. In fact, they will, and in some cases like Cuomo already have, they'll be out there selling books on why what they did was right. That's how twisted the system is. Tell me, tell me that isn't a soft version of the Stasi we just talked about. As long as you're part of it, brother, you're living in a luxury forest settlement. 
You're the most broken, twisted, evil person out there, and you're living high on the hog, celebrated, praised, because you're part of the system, because you're leading the system. If you're not part of it, it doesn't matter what good you do. It doesn't matter anything you do if you're not part of the system. If you're a, remember that, a malcontent, you will be destroyed. You will be utterly destroyed. And they act as if we can't see. They act as if you and I don't have eyes to see what they're doing right now when it comes to this crackdown on the Capitol, 30,000 troops in the Capitol, high fencing with razor wire on top of it. There's word out now about Joe Biden's administration worrying about pro-Trump people being in the National Guard and asking the National Guard to vet out the Trump voters so they don't harm Joe Biden. It's obvious what they're doing. They're not worried about Trump voters harming Joe Biden. What they're doing is using that raid on the Capitol as an excuse to crack down on their political opponents. And this is why Democrats are different than Republicans. Republicans, remember what Republicans did? When a bunch of Antifa Black Lives Matter street commies started burning things down and murdering people, Republicans ran to the microphone for Juneteenth bills and police reform. Trump himself took months, months to call out Black Lives Matter. Every speech he gave was all about Antifa. Months. Republicans, when they're faced with this kind of stuff, they're trying to be Mr. Black people. When Democrats are faced with it, 30,000 troops in high fencing, right-wing terrorism, FBI throwing people in handcuffs across the United States of America. People losing jobs if they were even at the Capitol thing. Not inside the Capitol, just attending the rally. People are losing jobs over it across the United States of America as if there's something illegal or wrong about attending a rally. That's how broken the system is. But back to what I was talking about again. There is not a more evil act that took place over the last four years than an elected official intentionally destroying lives to win an election. That is so disgusting and wrong. I, as you well know, I am a sociopath without any morals or values. I only care about myself. I would never do something like that. That is awful. People, the suicides out there. We just got some new numbers this morning out of the UK, and I know they're similar here in America, to the child abuse numbers that have gone through the roof. These people have done this. This is wrong. All right. Joe Biden has some executive orders planned. Hang on. We'll get to them. And Medal of Honor Monday still coming. completely ready to adopt a teen for late nights writing english papers for your teen's music taste for dinners where they talk more on their phone than with you for the first time they call you mom 
you're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three is the number. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Remember, you can call in and leave a voicemail, even if I don't put you on the air. We play your voicemails. I'm about to play one now. It's so true. And you can email me. I read every single one. I won't respond. I get way too many. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. They all go to Jewish producer Chris. Prints them for me. I read every one of them. But we got this voicemail, and man, just listen. Yeah, hi. Just a couple points uh, with the inauguration coming up and how things happen in the summer with all the violence and uproars and people saying they really don't want security or they don't want police. Why not? Why aren't they saying they don't want the police? Why are they having such a big deal about security for the inauguration? They should just not have any police or any security. Just let it be. It'll be all all right, right? And then um, with Madonna saying that she thinks that, um, well, you know, the quote that she's been saying. So how come nobody's going after her for, I mean, that's, uh, that's a bit of an incitement as well. And then another thing with uh, the people who signed for felonies, uh, they signed um, an affidavit or whatever it was saying that they saw things going on during the elections. So if they signed that, that's a felony to lie. Now, are they going to go after those people? I mean, if, if they're going after everything else, I guess these people are now in violation of the law, and are they going to get prosecuted? I don't know. Well, just wondered what you thought about all of that. Well, here's what I think about all of that, because it's all encompassing my answer to it. It's okay to point out leftist hypocrisy, but understand something. It doesn't really matter. Yes, they should be doing the same thing to this person that they did to this person and so on and so forth. But the leftists, remember, the Stasi had their own nice little colony. They don't believe we should be under this same justice system because you, you're an anti-communist. You're a lower form of life to them. You shouldn't get police protection. You should. That's why the hypocrisy is always there. Every part of the system works to aid the system, works to continue the system, protect the people within the system all the time. And every part of the system works to punish opponents of the system. That's how it works. And you... If you are a thinking human being, you are an enemy to the system, period. You are. 
And like I've told you a thousand times, that's part of how the Stasi got so many people in and so many informants. It's a good, comfortable life being part of the system. Now, you're worthless and you're destroying your own country, but you personally, you're going to have a lot more comfortable of a life if you just go along, man. Hey, just it's easy, right? If you choose to fight against that and the interest of preserving your country for your kids and grandkids, your life's going to be harder. And that's true. That's just the truth of it. All right, I need to wash all this filth off me. We're going Medal of Honor Monday. Remember, every every Monday, we only do one decent thing on this show all week, and that's we read a Medal of Honor citation. We do it to honor these men. We do it to honor the deeds they did. Because if we don't remember them, then they're forgotten. And that is unacceptable when it comes to these guys. So... We're doing Sergeant Ryan M. Pitts today. This is from Afghanistan. Sergeant Ryan M. Pitts distinguished himself by extraordinary acts of heroism at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as a forward observer in 2nd Platoon, Chosen Company, 2nd Battalion, Airborne, 503rd Infantry Regiment, 173rd Airborne Brigade during combat operations against an armed enemy at Vehicle Patrol Base Collar in the vicinity of Wanat Village, Kunar Province, Afghanistan on July 13, 2008. Early that morning, while Sergeant Pitts was providing perimeter security at Observation Post Topside, a well-organized anti-Afghan force consisting of over 200 members initiated a close proximity sustained and complex assault using accurate and intense rocket-propelled grenade, machine gun, and small arms fire on Wanat Vehicle Patrol Base. An immediate wave of rocket-propelled grenades engulfed the observation post, wounding Sergeant Pitts and inflicting heavy casualties. Sergeant Pitts had been knocked to the ground and was bleeding heavily from shrapnel wounds to his arms and legs, but with incredible toughness and resolve, he subsequently took control of the observation post and returned fire on the enemy. As the enemy drew nearer, Sergeant Pitts threw grenades, holding them after the pin was pulled and the safety lever was released to allow nearly immediate detonation on the hostile forces. Unable to stand on his own and near death, Because of the severity of his wounds and blood loss, Sergeant Pitt continued to lay down suppressive fire until a two-man reinforcement team arrived. Sergeant Pitts quickly assisted them by giving up his main weapon and gathering ammunition, all while continually lobbing fragmentary grenades until those were expended. At this point, Sergeant Pitts crawled to the northern position radio and described the situation to the command post as the enemy continued to try and isolate the observation post from the main patrol base. With the enemy close enough for him to hear their voices and with total disregard for his own life, Sergeant Pitts whispered in the radio situation reports and conveyed information that the command post used to provide indirect fire support. Sergeant Pitt's courage, steadfast commitment to the defense of his unit, and ability to fight while seriously wounded prevented the enemy from overrunning the observation post and capturing fallen American soldiers, and ultimately prevented the enemy from gaining fortified positions on higher ground from which to attack Wanat Vehicle Patrol Base. Sergeant Ryan M. Pitt's extraordinary heroism and selflessness above and beyond the call of duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, Company C, 2nd Battalion, 503rd Infantry Regiment, 103rd Airborne Brigade, and the United States Army. Dude is blown to bits.
laying there. No chance for survival, no chance at anything. And did he choose the comfortable life? No, he chose to go out taking as many of them with him as he possibly could. In the interest of killing them, and the interest of protecting his brothers. You and I are going to, by the way, he's still alive. You and I are going to have choices to make. And I can't make them for you. And honestly, I can't tell you which one to make. Being part of the system, going along with the system, is going to be a lot easier of a life for you. I promise you won't get fired for your political views. Nobody's going to come throw cuffs on you. They're not going to censor out your social media accounts. You're going to get so many pats on the back. Life will be easier. I promise it will. It'll be easier. But you have to decide whether that's the life you want to live or not. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to stop saying things the left hates. People ask me all the time. I got a bunch of emails about it today. How do I withstand the left's hatred. You know, they're always calling me a million names in the book, trying to get this canceled and that canceled. How do I withstand it? I don't withstand it. I enjoy it. And I don't enjoy it because I'm some glutton for punishment. I enjoy it because that means they're scared of me. The left, the commies are my enemy. I want them scared of me. If they were, if I, if there ever came a time where I stopped getting hate, I would be profoundly ashamed of myself because that means I'm no longer effective. If they're not calling you names, if they're not coming after you, you're not scaring them. I want them scared of me. I want them knowing I wake up every single day trying to expose their sick, evil, depraved ideology. I want them knowing I live every single moment to destroy communism in all its forms. Screw them. All right. Felt good to get that off my chest. We have a guest. uh, Yeah, it's Michael Malice time, and you know how this goes. Hang on. Until you're standing beside the hospital bed of your loved one who just had a heart attack, you really don't fully appreciate how important it is to take care of your heart. I have been woken up to this fact, and that's why I'm so thrilled I found Super Beats. Super Beats are heart chews. I just have to take two a day. And let me clarify right now, I despise the taste of beets. Despise it. I have to leave the house if someone's eating them. These are delicious. I love them. Two Super Beats heart chews per day. How could I not do that? With a history of heart problems in my family, with a history of high blood pressure in my family, what kind of person would I be if I didn't take that simple step to keep my heart healthy? Superbeats.com slash Jesse. That's superbeats.com slash Jesse. That gets you two free 30-day supplies.
Well, it's not going to stop. This this creation of the illusion of right-wing terrorism is not going to stop. We already had a dumpster fire today outside the Navy Yard in D.C., creating some smoke. Immediately, journalists in this country talking about an external terror threat, the lockdown of this. It's, it's so absurd. Joining me now to talk about that, host of your welcome, guy who always has a great perspective on things, Michael Ballison. Michael, you actually gave me an idea for how I opened the show today. I opened it up talking about how evil the Stasi is, or was, I should say, and how just disgusting communism really, really is. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is something that I'm going to be writing about in my forthcoming book, and which most Americans are, uh, thankfully, in a sense, completely oblivious to what it's like to live in a country where everyone is spying on everyone else, uh, and you know it. Uh <sighs> You grew up, obviously, you have Russian background, obviously. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was the mentality in your family growing up? And I ask that because of this. I find so many Americans who've grown up and they've only known freedom that they love to flirt with communism. You know, they re- it really is appealing to them, whereas the people who've lived under it, they're screaming right now, uh, you guys really should slow down. This is getting a little scary here. Uh, I'll give you one example that will help illustrate the Russian mentality versus the American mentality. For a long time, until fairly recently as an adult, if I was ever talking to someone, I would run a quick scan before I said something and ask myself, if this person turned on me, would they be able to use this information against me? Uh, Americans don't think like this. If America has a prob- an American has a problem at work, the first American advice would be, sit the person down and have a talk. In a Russian mindset, that's the last resort, because in that case, you might be alienating someone with power and putting yourself in a vulnerable position. So you don't show your hand unless you absolutely have to. These are completely different mentalities uh, that I don't think Americans appreciate. They don't. And look, I don't either because I've never lived under it. But I'll yeah. tell you, when I, was, when I was digging through some stuff you know, to prep for my Stasi talk at the beginning of the show today, one thing that always hits me about these communist countries is how much the people were against each other and distrusted each other. I mean, you had husbands informing on their own wives and vice versa, just Everyone hates each other. It's not just that they hate the commies in charge. Everyone hates everyone. What people don't appreciate, they are of the belief that, like, let's suppose the Stasi got to me, and the question is, here's how it's going to work. Michael, you either turn on your family or you turn on Jesse. Jesse, I love you, but you're not going to win this one. Mm -hmm. That's not how it worked at all. There were many, many cases where people were more than happy to rat, where they had no gun to their head, when they had no consequences for doing it, this is something that gave them status. This is something that gave them power. This is something that gave them a feeling of maybe control over their own lives or protection. And I got to tell you, this last year with these masked people, it's the exact same mentality writ large. You see it on Twitter every five minutes that people are giddy to shut down a secret restaurant in a town that they can't even find on a map. Ugh. It is extremely disturbing, but thankfully, those of us who are for breaking up this country can appreciate there's no common ground with human beings who think like this. How do we win? 
What what is the win? Is that it? We we have to have our own separate place. Is that the ultimate you know macro path forward? There's no other route. Uh, yes. I, I mean, I honestly think yes, because when you're dealing with a fundamentalist totalitarian ideology, which is untethered from reality, which can tell you for four years the 2016 election was a fraud. And then the day after the 2020 election, say, if you question this election, you should lose your job, be thrown off social media and driven from the Senate. I don't think that there's room for negotiation because these people are not, in a sense, using language cognitively. But we don't have a chance at that, right? I mean, I've been talking about a national divorce forever. Honestly, we don't have a chance of it because they're in charge now. Our only shot at it was when we're in charge. Uh, that's like saying the Vietnamese didn't have a chance or the Afghanis didn't have a chance. Okay. There's a, a, you're a military person. It's a cost benefits thing at a certain point, And I don't mean violence at a certain point, the cost of enforcing the edict will become higher than the benefits. And right now, I'm sure you saw this clip of Brian Stelter. They're melting down publicly showing their hand. Russians don't do that, that people on YouTube have a bigger audience than CNN. This is something that's an abomination. It's in Leviticus that you are you should not be able to have a bigger audience than CNN. This is the highest of highest. So the fact that that's already happening, the fact that there are more and more Americans who, instead of feeling the need to correct the corporate media, realize there's nothing they say that is truthful and we're not going to have a discussion that breakdown of communication uh, between them and more and more citizens is the way to win. But but we still have such control on their side as well. I mean, you can say people are, are not trusting it, but people are without realizing it. I mean, people believe people believe right off the bat to this day they believe lockdowns are a solution to coronavirus. They believe police are hunting down black men and all across the country. They, they believe these things that are have no basis in reality because the narrative gets set by that press early. Right. Well, those people will never be of use as, as fellow travelers in any context because they have no mind. They just repeat what they see on the screen. So they're of no relevance one way or another. They're like ballast. Um, what matters is people who are informed and educated and willing to fight. And we're seeing that in increasing numbers and especially this kind of sense of uh, if Ben Shapiro is holding the line. Uh, you know, when, when all this started going down, he's like, I hope you all realize this is just an attempt to make conservatism illegal. This is not about Trump. If Ben Shapiro can see this for what it is and his audience, I think we're in very good shape. Yes, but see, this is my problem with so many people on the right. So many people on the right, they go along, they're too weak, they go along with the narrative right off the bat, and then they'll change. You know, two or three weeks in, they'll stick their finger in the air and realize they've been had for the 10,000th time, and then they turn around, but by then it's too late. How do we wake up our own side? That's what I worry about all the time. Uh, Well, doing what you're doing, and I'm going to give you a counterexample. Lindsey Graham who's hardly a man of steel with strong conviction. <laughs> he was re- wait, wait, No, I'm serious, though. He was ready to throw Trump under the bus, and then he got berated at the airport by a group of people calling him traitor, just like Maxine Waters said, when you see someone in public, you get in their face. Uh, and then the next day or next week, he was on Fox, uh, and he was st- holding the line. So that is one mechanism. And Politico, uh, which is, you know, a hard lefty uh, propaganda piece, was writing an article how all these Congress people who watched the news went back home and found disturbingly that so many of their um, 
constituents were telling them regarding the Capitol Hill riots, do you get what we're saying now, instead of being upset. That sort of thing, uh, when they're getting in touch with the base, not through the media, what the media is telling them, is exactly how you hold these people to hold the line. But it doesn't really matter what happens in Washington. What matters is what happens in public schools and what they're doing to your kids. Mm -hmm. And that is how you save this country. Get your children out of the clutches from people who are paid to train them to hate you and your values. Oh, gosh. Amen. I wish I could put that on a poster. Amen. Michael Malice, where can people get all your stuff, brother? Uh, Twitter.com, Michael Malice. Always a pleasure, Jesse. Appreciate you. Take care. Bye-bye. And remember what he just said. Until we stop the anti-American government school system, all the rest of this, everything else we talk about is just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. That's true. And it's time to talk about Hot Pockets. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. As you well know, I give back to others and I like to point out talent when I find it. Saw this guy on TV the other night, and man, he nailed it. America's leftists are not different than all the other communists you've always known. There, that's like three or four times I've already said that this show. You're gonna get, just going to be start throwing things at the TV every time I say it. But I'm going to continue saying it until the whole world knows. They're exactly the same. You see, there's one thing, and it really hit me. I was actually reading up on the 1956 Hungarian Revolution, rebellion, I guess I should call it. It failed today. But learning about the communist system as the Soviets put that system into place after World War II, and learning how rotted and failed the system was almost immediately. But what did they do? Had their own communist magazines, had their own communist radio station. Why did they do that? Why is it necessary to do that? Why does censorship come with every single communist regime? Always. It's like priority one. Why? Because it's such a rotted out, failed, disgusting ideology. 
if you get even a whiff of something else, they know you'll want that more. And what's hilarious is, when I call these people communists today, and they are, don't forget about our anti-communist merchandise, by the way, on the firsttv.com slash store. But why do you think they get so mad when I call them communists? Because a lot of them, they don't even realize that's what they are. AOC, I mean, yeah, she's an idiot and she's kind of hot. She's a communist. And they don't even realize that she says things like this. She doesn't realize she's using the same words. Guys like Khrushchev probably have an exact quote that sounds exactly like this. Several members of Congress in some of my discussions have brought up uh, media literacy because that is a part of what happened here. Um, and we're going to have to figure out how we reign in our media environment so that you can't just spew disinformation and misinformation. Are you listening? I'm going to actually play that for you one more time again here in a minute because I want you to pay attention and I want you to listen to it with this in mind. It's easy to dismiss AOC because she sounds like an idiotic 16-year-old girl. That woman is powerful. She has a gigantic social media following. She'll never be censored. She's also extremely young. Nancy Pelosi was born just after Moses. She's almost gone. AOC is going to be in Congress for the next 20 or 30 years if she wants, if not the United States Senate. This is not just some moron. Don't dismiss her right now. Listen to this again and listen well. This is how these people think. Several members of Congress in some of my discussions have brought up uh, media literacy because that is a part of what happened here. Um, and we're going to have to figure out how we reign in our media environment so that you can't just spew disinformation and misinformation. Reign in the media environment. No disinformation and misinformation. Let me ask you something. How much of what you believe do you think AOC would consider to be disinformation or misinformation? Mm. Mm -mm. They all talk the same. That's because they are the same. All right. Over 760,000 pounds of Hot Pockets recalled. They may contain pieces of glass and plastic. This is NBCNews.com, so it might actually not be true at all. But the recall includes 54-ounce boxes of the 12-count premium pepperoni made with pork, chicken, and beef. (laughs) And I have a question. Why are Hot Pockets so delicious? They are delicious, Chris. You people aren't even allowed to eat them, so I don't want to hear it from you. I don't want to, you have no say so in this. If I'm talking about salmon or something gross, then I'll ask you. And right now we're talking about Hot Pockets. So you sit this one out, Jack. It's, uh, uh, wait, yeah, it's made with pork. You have no say so. None. They are delicious and they shouldn't be delicious. And I have a theory on this. I think part of what makes Hot Pockets so enjoyable is that you can hold them in one hand. I have this theory about foods that the ease of eating some foods elevates how good they are. 
like uh, lobster. Lobster is a great example. Lobster versus crawfish. Here's a fact. If you ask people out there, one of the, the, the more higher end things they love to eat, you know, if money was no object kind of a thing, what do you love to eat? A lot of people would have lobster on their short list. Now, granted, you listen to my show, so steak's probably going to be number one on virtually everybody's list, maybe burgers. But steak. But lobster's very high on everyone's list, even if it's not your thing, and it's not even close to my number one seafood, you acknowledge it's close to everybody's top. I mean, it just is one of those high-end thinking foods. Here is an undeniable fact, and people, especially people in the South, will know this is true. I know our show's nationwide now, but people in the South will know this is true. Crawfish is 10 million times better tasting than lobster will ever be. Than lobster will ever be. Why don't you talk about it? I'll discuss in a second. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Never talk about crawfish when it's infinitely better than lobster because crawfish is a pain in the butt to eat. And I'm a guy who loves it. I've been to a thousand crawfish boils. I'm blessed to live in a neighborhood with a bunch of dudes from Louisiana. And these guys take their crawfish boils really seriously. It takes a lot of work to eat them, even when you're even when you're good at it. And by this point in time, I'm good at it. It takes a, a lobster's easy. You peel the big shell off, fork and knife, and dip it in butter and eat it. Crawfish, you're sitting there wrestling with it. You're pulling out the little 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 thing of poop that runs down the back, which kind of grosses out the chicks lots of the time. That's why you like Hot Pockets. Like Chris said, Hot Pockets, they're an adult version of a kid's pizza roll. But pizza rolls are outstanding, too. I love pizza rolls. Dang it, now I want some pizza rolls. Gosh! I know what I'm having for dinner tonight. The wife's out of town again. It's pizza roll time, boys. (laughs) All right. Remember how I've been telling you our communists aren't any different than their communists? I got another example for you. You're going to want to hear this.
The Jesse Kelly Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Well, the recriminations are flying, Joe. I mean, you've got the Capitol Police saying they wanted some support, but those were denied by the sergeant-at-arms offices. You've got the National Guard folks saying they offered to support the January 6th events, and the Capitol Police denied it. But I think the reality is, is that what you're seeing, all this activity by the FBI, by law enforcement to go after and arrest people, that's all great. But that's all right of the boom. And in intelligence, you really want to be left of the boom. You want to be way out ahead of the events. And I think we're going to have to reset our entire uh, intelligence approach to these uh, white supremacist militias, these dangerous uh, ultra-nationalist organizations. I think we're going to have to look at a greater surveillance of them. Uh, the FBI is going to have to run confidential sources. We're going to have to penetrate these plots long before they present a violent threat to our democracy if we want to have any hope of uh, stopping these in the future. America's communists are not different than the communists have always been. Remember, we just talked about the Stasi. If you missed the show, the beginning of the show, remember, every show is podcasted. iHeart, Google, Spotify, iTunes, right after the show. Chris puts the entire show on a podcast, and he separates out the history segment if that's all you want. We opened up today talking about the Stasi of East Germany. And remember what they went after? Not post-crime, pre-crime. Pre-crime. How deep did the lies go? How interested were they in making sure their system was never questioned and their system always looked good? Do you know they acted like they had no murderers in the system? Because they wanted it to look like a secure system, very safe. It's very safe around here. Now, of course, they had murderers. Every system has murderers. They just would take you and whisk you away and you'd never be seen again. That's how it's done. Our communists are not different. Want to give a shout out today to another one of our awesome affiliates, the great WRKO in Boston. Love it that the show is growing, going nationwide. It's just extremely cool. It's bizarre. It's it's bizarre. <laughs> this was not really supposed to happen, but it's still cool. It's still very cool. Oh, we have a new podcast review. This one is headline. Remember, when you're in iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about my handsomeness. This one's titled Sympathy for Jesse. Despite his vast education, natural charisma, and lifetime of experience doing radio, two years, Shogunniest of the Shoguns has to overcome an obstacle every day that most of us with view, with view, I think it means to say would view as a benefit. Mirrors. While the average Joe uses mirrors to make sure they are, we are out together, imagine being Steel Kelly. Every morning is a distraction when you are that handsome. It would be akin to Superman having kryptonite mounted on random walls that he had to pass by. The word perseverance is thrown around all too often, so I don't want to insult the Oracle. But props to you, Sombrero. Keep up the good fight. Screw commie scum. <laughs> I love you guys. 
Oh, yes, Chris, we're going to get a sombrero, and it's going to be absurdly big. But that's just for Cinco de Mayo, remember? I'm only Sombrero Jesse on Cinco de Mayo. And remember we got on that story? We get in these weird stories because Billy the Kid, when Billy the Kid was an up-and-comer, we did a Billy the Kid show a little while back, when he was up-and-coming in the criminal world, he was taken in by another criminal who taught him the ropes by the name of Sombrero Jack. How great is that? Gosh, that's so sweet. All right. Joe Biden has promised to stop the Keystone Pipeline, halt the, to take away the Keystone Pipeline's permit on day one of his presidency. You understand how much trouble we are in. Thousands of jobs gone like that. It's a promise to kill thousands of jobs immediately. People, people forget because we have such short memories, especially now with all the distractions and social media and everything, people have such short memories and you forget so quickly how truly terrible it is when Democrats are in charge of things. I mean, these people are insane. These people are insane. They, uh, who was it? The, the San Diego had somebody, I'm going to pull up the name here real quick. So I'm just doing this off the top of my head. San Diego had somebody in charge of their schools. And San Diego just recently, their school system has gone like the most insane you can possibly go when it comes to their schools. We're talking anti-white education, pro-Black Lives Matter. They stopped giving grades out in the San Diego public school system because they were racially insensitive. I'm not making this up. All the stuff that would make you roll your eyes and freak out, right? Guess who Biden just announced would be the Deputy Secretary of Education? Cindy Martin of San Diego Schools, the San Diego Schools Superintendent. These people are insane. And their policies now are going mainstream. Biden is not some moderate. And even if he is, it doesn't matter because the people running him, well, they're not. They're not moderate at all, not even a little bit. They go all the way. Incoming White House team is the headline from Free Beacon. In, incoming White House climate team blames systemic racism for climate change. President-elect named progressive policy advisor Maggie Thomas as Office of the Domestic Climate Policy Chief of Staff and climate advocate Cecilia Martinez as senior director for environmental justice on Thursday. Both Thomas and Martinez have cited racial inequality as perpetuating climate change, arguing that the Biden administration's environmental policy must be centered on racial and economic justice. Quote, unless intentionally interrupted, systemic racism will continue to be a major obstacle to creating a healthy planet. Martinez said in a 2019 press release, the only path forward is to design national climate policies that are centered on justice. For Thomas and Martinez, such policies require massive government spending and the realignment of public dollars at all levels. Thomas's climate plan demands trillions with a T in public investment, not only to quote, crack down on oil production, and shift away from the nation's fossil fuel economy, but also to fund welfare programs, including rent and utility relief. Martinez's platform calls for much of the same, including increased government investment in affordable 
and quality housing. It is going to be a rocky, rocky four years. Biden promising to slaughter thousands of jobs before he even steps into the Oval Office. (laughs) Gosh, we are in serious trouble around here. Serious, serious trouble. All right. Now, the China thing. I can't get around this China thing. And this is what I mean by that. They're so, there's such an infestation here. We just busted yet another college professor with Chinese ties. And I mean, these these guys are being placed under felony arrest. These are Chinese spots. They're so just it's just, just an infestation that's throughout our country right now. And the Biden administration is going to welcome them all in. Headline, China ties raised questions for Biden's pick for top defense post. Colin, Colin Cowell, who worked for Biden for Undersecretary of Defense Policy, has served as a senior fellow at the Freeman Spogley Institute for International Studies at the Stanford University since the beginning of 2018. The institute oversees the Stanford Center at Peking University in northern Beijing, which opened in 2012. Peking University, which is run by former Beijing spy chief Kui Jibiji, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name, has been linked to multiple espionage cases in the United States of America. They're here, and they're still being welcomed in. All right, we have another voicemail to play you. Hang on. The talk radio revolution. Jesse Kelly. We all need a little bit of self-improvement, right? Granted, I probably need more than you need. (laughs) But we all need some. So what if your New Year's resolution, what if your way you're going to improve this year was just to take care of your heart and your blood pressure a little better than you did last year. And I know what you're thinking. Ah, Jesse, I don't want to start jogging 90 miles a day. I'm not asking you to do that. I mean, by all means, exercise, please. All I'm asking you to do is start taking Super Beats. They're Super Beats heart chews. They're 100% food derived. They taste delicious. And you eat two a day. I'm essentially asking you to eat fruit snacks once a day. How difficult is that? Go. Go to superbeats.com slash jesse. That's superbeats.com slash jesse. That gets you two free 30-day supplies. That's easy. Superbeats.com slash jesse. crisis that has been perpetuated in my view by platforms like the one we're used to work Facebook as well as Twitter and others it's really hard because what's happening is people are able to seek out the information that makes them feel good that is what's happening is that you know people have so much choice now they can choose what their news sources are they can choose what influencers they want to follow just pause it Um, pause it real quick Chris we're going to continue from right there you hear what he says right off the bat what drives him crazy right off the bat It's really hard 
because people have so many choices now. Do you remember at the beginning of the show, the Stasi and all that? No radio you're not allowed to listen to. No TV you're not allowed to watch. Part of communism, the, a basic tenet, an essential part of communism is you cannot escape from it. You don't get to hear, read other parts. You know, one part I didn't even talk about in the beginning of the show? Get this. This is how much they were committed to making sure you never saw anything but what they approved. They had special dogs trained. And you know what they were trained to do? They would take a, they would find a, a anti-communist newsletter of some kind. Because there were, of course, all kinds of underground groups who were rebelling. They would find an anti-communist newsletter. And they had dogs who were specially trained to smell the newsletter and then track down where the newsletter originated. You see, you don't get choice. You don't get to choose. They hate it. They hate you getting to choose. And they're going to make sure you can't. All right, continue, Chris. Are they can choose what influencers they want to follow, um, and and they can try to seal out anything that que- helps them question that. And th- I think that gets to a, a really core issue uh, with how our freedoms as Americans and, and the way we have treated press freedom in, in the past is being abused by these actors. Um, in that we have given a lot Pause of for a second. leeway. Uh, both in the-, the way we've treated press freedom in the past, you know what he's saying there. You know exactly what he's saying there. The way we've allowed people to say the things they want to say. You should have total press freedom to say whatever I approve of. America's communists are no different than the communists have always been. Continue, Chris. Um, In that we have given a lot of leeway, uh, both in the traditional media and on social media, to people to have a very broad range of political views. And it is now in the great economic interest of those individuals to become more and more radical. And I think that one of the places you can see this is on the the fact that you now have competitors to Fox News on their right, OANN and Newsmax, which are carried by all the major cable networks. who are trying to now outflank Fox on the right because the moment Fox introduced any kind of realism into their reporting, immediately a bunch of people chose... The minute Fox introduced any kind of realism, you see, only what they believe is real. You remember back to uh, Obama's presidency. It's a great example of this where Obama would constantly, constantly get up and say things like, we don't have to make, stop making this political. Don't make it political. It's not political. He meant that. They don't view their heavily political policies as being political. It's simply true and right and real. Any opposition to them is you making it political. Fox News, when he's talking about Fox News there, he didn't say Fox News moving left, moving progressive, moving any any of the words he could have used. That's not what he used. Fox News introducing realism. Continue. Chose to put themselves into a sealed ecosystem. And they can do that both on cable, they can do it online. Um, and that becomes a, a huge challenge of figuring out how do you bring those people back into the mainstream of fact based reporting and try to get us all back into the, the same consensual reality. 
and can you? Is that possible? Seems like that's an open question. It's hard. I mean, I think we got to do a couple things. One, there needs to be a, a, an intentional work by the social media companies collaborating together to work on violent extremism in the same way they worked on ISIS. I was, when I an started- intentional work by social media companies collaborating together. Pay attention to how they talk. They all talk the same. We all must join forces, one common collective in order to what? Censor out differences of opinion. Go on, we're almost done. In the same way they worked on ISIS. I was, when I started at Facebook in 2015, the number one challenge from a content perspective was the abuse of social media by the Islamic State. Um, and there was a, a collaboration between the tech companies and between the tech companies and law enforcement to make it impossible for them to use the internet to recruit and radicalize young, mostly young Muslim men at the time around the world. Now we're talking about domestic audience in the United States. And the challenge is going to be partially that, you know, ISIS did not have a domestic constituency in the United States Congress, but there is over half of the Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the election. Um, and there will be a continual political pressure on the, yeah. the companies to not take it seriously. So I think first you have mm. to focus on those violent extremists and those companies have to be brave in that way. And second, we have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. There are, are people on YouTube, for example, that have a larger daytime, a larger audience than daytime CNN. And they are extremely radical and pushing extremely. Turn uh, down the capability of them to reach people. ISIS. Comparisons to ISIS. Only not comparison, not just comparisons to ISIS. You hear what he said after that? But ISIS didn't have representation within the Congress. You see, it's not only you. It's the people inside Congress are the they're they're domestic terrorists too. We have to turn down their. This is how they think. I don't need you to listen to this and freak out, stress out, or any of those other things. That's not helping us. That's not what I'm doing. Understand how they think, what they want. We know how they think. We know what they want because you pay attention to history. That's why we do a history story at the beginning of every show. It's not just because I love it and geek out on it. People haven't changed. Human nature has not changed. Ideologies have not changed. These people, if they could, they would snap their fingers and silence you forever. They would silence anything that is not hardcore communist forever. They would, without a second thought. Without a second thought. That's the bad news. The good news, again, we've talked about this before. The good news is... They will turn on each other, too. You know what was funny? So many of the early Stasi executions and such were of other people who were in the Stasi and got caught up. Not only did they spy on all the citizens, confidential informants on all the citizens, they spied on each other all the time. You wiretap the the Stasi office right next door. You you get paid to be an informant and tell your buddy in the lunchroom, hey, I not sure if communism's working out. Just to see if he responds in a certain way. Boom. Off to the prisons with him if he does. They will turn on each other. They will. The more power they get, the more they clinch in their power, the more they'll start looking at each other and realizing, the music's going to stop here and there are only so many chairs and I really want to be in one of them. 
That's how these people think. You know what? We play it all the time. We might have to play some more Yuri Bezmenov. At some point in time, I may just start like the whole hour and a half long interview, Chris, and we'll just take it over a show over a week and let him play a bunch of stuff. Is it so good? It's so it, it should be required listening for every American. It tells you how they think. We have to learn how they think, and we have to tell our friends and family how they think. If you don't know, you're not prepared. All right. It is time. It is time to talk about, well, it's time to have a hard conversation. Hang on. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I love talking to Selena Zito. She always gives us some real perspective out there. So she's joining us now author of some great books. She writes for the New York Post and every other publication on the planet. (laughs) She also almost died. Selena, what happened? Man, that travels fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Long story short, I had had scar tissue that overgrew inside of me, which, of course, nobody can see, and it was smothering my intestines. Oh, that's disgusting and I've, awesome. I've been, I did find out that my daughter with three children stra- under the age of three strapped in the back of the car does have really unique moonshiner skills and <laughs> got me there. <laughs> so you were you were close to death. Oh, yeah. I a little bit longer and y'all wouldn't have me around. Well, don't die. I'm glad you didn't die. Everyone knows I need to be the one to check out first around here. All right. New York City is a place that obviously I love New York City. I understand a lot of people dog on it. I love it. I've always adored it. I think it's the history of it's awesome. It's wild and fun. And at least it used to be. And now it's a dump. And I want New York City as an American. I want New York City to be awesome. Where are they headed, Selena? Yeah, I mean, I think we all do because for a number of reasons, it's the symbol of America, right? It's where many of our forefathers came through when they immigrated here through Ellis Island. 
It's um, it's a, a city known for its grit. It's a city also known for success and wealth and power and innovation. And it's really in sort of a very bad place. Uh, I have a new piece um, in the New York Post taking a look at how New York primary voters, which is essentially where the uh, mayoral race will take place, um, is uh, how they feel about the current de Blasio um, administration. <laughs> Almost 60% of them are very unhappy. And how they feel about the current crop of contenders running for mayor. And a new PPP show, poll showed that a whopping 40% of Democrat primary voters um don't like any of the people and would prefer, quote, anybody else, end quote, over them. That shows you a number of things, but most particular, it's a complete rejection of the status quo, rejection of running the city as an ideological um, incubator rather than being a good manager. Selena, how did they let's let's rewind a little bit. How did they end up with Bill de Blasio in the first place? Because I know you're an incredibly kind person. I, however, am unburdened by that. And that is as detestable a human being and politician as I have ever seen in my life. Uh, Just just openly a scumbag. How does New York City get that? They've had like even decent Democrat mayors. Bloomberg, as much as I hate that little troll, was not a bad mayor. De Blasio does not have one redeemable quality. How did he get there? Well, it, 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 when the um, in that mayoral election, I think it was 2015, the primary. Um, uh, New Yorkers are feeling pretty good about their city. You know, they really didn't have much, you know, for as much as Bloomberg, as you said, can be insufferable. He was a good manager. And um, and he really, outside of like limiting how many Slurpees you can buy, he really didn't mess with ideological um, points within running his city. And so the voters went on a little bit of a bender. They didn't have many choices. If you remember, this is when Anthony Weiner was trying to resurrect his career, and he almost did until, you know, he couldn't help himself and fell from grace once again. And de Blasio rose uh, up at that moment where Democrats were feeling like, hey, we want a little bit of our gimmies when it comes to ideology because, you know, things going pretty well. Well, that didn't work out. Okay, so what are the options going forward? I see Andrew Yang is there. People vaguely remember Andrew Yang. He was the dude, seemed like kind of a cool guy, but obviously had a bunch of really kooky ideas running in the Democrat primary. Is it going to be Yang? Is there like uh, some other guy that's the pick of the New York corrupt political system? What is it? Well, I think that um, the most interesting candidate is Eric Adams. He's the Brooklyn Borough Council um um a president he has um he at one time was a republican he doesn't toe the party line uh he's a former uh new york city cop um uh you know some say he's controversial uh but i would say that he's probably say he's controversial because he doesn't toe the democratic party line um uh, so he and he's a proven vote getter and he's a proven fundraiser. So a lot he 
uh, right below Yang, who um, uh, people just know because of his uh, failed presidential run, um, and the fact that he'll give everybody a thousand dollars of what a week, a month, I forget what it was. Um, but um, you know, um, there's Scott Stringer, who's the city controller, uh, con- controller, and um, he's a progressive. He wants to defund the police. In fact, he he um, stated that through his citywide office that he wanted to take uh, one billion dollars out of New York City Police Department's um, uh, uh, budget. There's also Mara Wiley. She was in the de Blasio administration. Again, a strident progressive who just recently left her role to run for office um, as a commentator on MSNBC. Selena, all right, we're going national here for a moment. Uh, We have to have a little hard talk. Joe Biden, about to be president. Uh, Obviously, people are already mad about some of the stuff he's promising. That's predictable. But it's what the country wanted, right? I mean, is America not... Not nearly as right wing as people on the right thought it was. Um, I think that the, well, I mean, to be fair, this election was close, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, I I think that what Americans told, at least as I see it, what Americans told me as an observer and a reporter is that they wanted. Um, they they wanted someone different at the top. They and it wasn't based. Interestingly enough, it was not based on President Trump's um, um, ideology or and or his policies. But it was a, had a lot to do with based on his um, comportment. Now, why do I say that? Well, look down ballot. Democrats were expected to win state legislative chambers all across the state, win majorities there, win state house races, win state senate races. There was millions and billions dumped in, and and former President Barack Obama and his attorney general, um, uh, I'm going to totally Eric forget Holder. his name. Thank <laughs> you. Um, uh, ran uh, a. a, a you know, expensive campaigns to take Republicans out. And what happened? They did not only not win one state House seat or one state Senate seat, um, they also lost races. And the Republicans had, like, no money this year running down ballots. And then Republicans also turned around and won 12 congressional seats when the prediction ahead of Election Day was that the Democrats were going to pick up 20 new House seats. They also held on to Senate seats. So what the voters are telling you is that the country is center-right. They voted for the people that impact their life the most, which is anyone down ballot of uh, the presidency. They voted conservative. Um, but, but they were unhappy, in particular senior citizens, with Trump's comportment. That's where this president lost the race. He had their support before in 2016. He held on to it all the way until this past spring. And when it came to COVID, they weren't willing to, um, they didn't want to be, have him as part of their bargain. Selena Zito, everybody, go read her stuff. Thank you, Selena. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Iran. Why it matters. Hang on.
Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Breitbart.com headline. Biden team already in talks with Iran over return to the nuclear deal. Hang on, before I get to that real quick. Remember, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC. That's me on Twitter. That's me on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Parlor if it ever comes back. They'll eventually run me off of all these things. And I don't say that because I'm some martyr. It just, again, I know what the left is. They're never going to let my voice stay there. But remember, the radio show ain't going anywhere. The TV show I have, I have a TV show every night too on the 1st. It's not going every, anywhere. I ain't going anywhere. You can, They can delete Twitter all day long. Doesn't matter to me. But back to this Iran deal. People get confused on this. Why Iran? Why, 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 why join with these people? It's a fundamental view of how they view America. That's just really the bottom line. Why would Joe Biden, why would Barack Obama link up with the largest state sponsor of terror in the world? What, why do that? Doesn't make sense, right? But what? I mean, even whether you're a Democrat, Republican, nothing about that makes sense unless you realize and simply accept, and this could be tough to accept, unless you realize and accept they share a hatred of America. They do. Fundamentally, at its core, I'm not trying to be over the top, but fundamentally, at, 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 at their core, Iran, the Ayatollahs, the, guy, the, Imams, the guys who run Iran, fundamentally, they believe America is an evil place. They do. That's, just, that's what they believe. That's exactly what Barack Obama believed. If you, if you don't know that, you simply weren't paying attention. You heard his pastor U.S. of KKKA and things like that. That's what Obama believes. You hear his wife all the time, all the time, trashing this place. That's what he believes. That's what they believe. The Obamas. That's what I, they, they share that in common. And how hard is it for you to find the people 
who love America and find a kinship with them. Of course you do, right? I mean, I have people all over my neighborhood because I live in suburban Texas but waving Trump flags and stuff like that. I just recently moved, and the guy across the street, I hadn't met him yet, uh, finally go over and meet him. I'm not Mr., you know, friendly neighbor. Ah, let's get together all the time, but I'd like to be, you know, friendly enough with your neighbor. Hey, you need an egg? You got some sugar? Hey, let's have a beer real quick, that kind of thing. I go across the street and meet him, shake the guy's hand. He has a Trump 2020 flag on his head, or, or a Trump 2020 hat on his head. Okay, I don't know anything else about the guy, but I know this. We're probably going to get along about some things because we share some common values already. Obama and now Biden, they like Iran because they share common values. And that is so hard for people to wrap their mind around because it's kind of harsh and like what it might mean for people. It's really harsh, isn't it? Oh, they just have a different seven different view of America. A, a little more left. No. No. JFK had a different view of America. Was a little more left. Honestly, Bill Clinton had a different view of America. Was a little more left. That is not today's Democratic Party. It is not. It is the anti-American party. That doesn't mean if you're one of these old-school blue-collar Democrats, you're always voted Democrat, your dad always did. That doesn't mean you hate America, but it does mean this. You better wake up and realize your party does, Jack. Your party does. They got, they're, they're, they're trying to amnesty right off the bat another one of Biden's executive orders. They're trying to amnesty right away 11 million people. There's no reason in the world you can justify that it's pro-American to amnesty 11 million people right now. There's no pro-American justification for that at all. You can come up with a million political reasons. Nobody can tell you why that's good for the country. No one can. Well, they know that. They don't care. They simply don't care. They don't like this place. They share that with Iran. They share that with China. Why do you think the Communist Party of China and the modern-day Democratic Party use the exact same language when discussing America all the time? Racist, evil. They use the same language because they both hate the place. It's not that they're joined. I mean, mean, yeah, in, in a lot of ways there's overlap there. They are joined. But a lot of times they're just, they happen to all march in the same direction. That direction? America sucks. That's what they believe. And that's hard, right? When, when you love the country as a whole, as I do, as you do, that's, that's hard to take that in, isn't it? Half your fellow citizens hate it here? That, that does, ugh. But we have to be adults. We have to realize where we are. That's where we are. Hang on. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy. 
Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Gosh, that was a sweet show that I just did. <laughs> what, Chris? What? I'm sorry. I, I was reminded by Jewish producer Chris that all that shellfish I was talking about, he can't eat that either. I'm talking about lobster and crawfish. And I'm asking Chris, I'm like, right? Am I right? And he's just staring at me. Look, I need, a I need a list of the Jewish rules. I can't remember them all. I did remember the no meat and cheese together. I forgot about that. Like, you could eat a burger, but you can't eat a burger with cheese. Do I have that right? Is that right? No beef and cheese together. Okay. All right. No beef and cheese. Not even American? I'm serious. I, they, uh, they, obviously, American's the most pure burger cheese, but I don't think it's cheese per se. <laughs> what about a slice of Alveda? I'm not trying to get in, in trouble with anybody. I don't need rabbis blowing up my phone. All right. It was an awesome day. We're going to have an awesome week. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE that gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.